You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! It's that time again. It's that time of year. All of us gearheads look forward to it's almost Black Friday, and I know I'm eyeing some of my favorite manufacturers hoping to score some good deals, and I'm sure that you're watching your inbox and all that stuff for those deals, too. I know you are. Don't lie to me. You totally are. But one thing you may not see in your inbox is the 40% off deal that Gun Street Wiring Shop is doing. You've been looking to upgrade the wiring harness in your guitar You've been hearing these ads, you've been curious, you've seen the uh, you've seen the workmanship, you thought it was intriguing, but weren't quite ready to squeeze that trigger. If you go to Gun Street Wiring Shop's reverb page starting officially on Black Friday on the 23rd, you will see 40% off of all of the stuff on there, which is huge. I'm not even sure how he's doing that, but I don't ask questions. When I hear about a deal... I just communicate it to the people. So go to Gun Street Wiring Shop's Reverb page and check out everything they have starting officially on Black Friday, the 23rd. Do it. Do it. But that's not all. No, no, no. We've got more Black Friday action coming at you from the boys at Sinusoid. But they're kind of they're playing it co- close to the chest, as it were. They're they're keeping it the uh, keeping it kind of on the down low. So if you really want to know and get in early and score all the best deals, you need to join their super secret customer group on Facebook. I know, I know that, but they're serious about this. They wanna, they wanna, you know, they don't want just anybody climbing in there and scraping up all the best deals, getting early access, and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. That's not how they roll. They want the best and the coolest people to be getting in there. And I know you want to be one of the cool kids. That's why we started playing guitar in the first place, right? trying to impress the ladies and playing Wonderwall around the campfire and all that good stuff. That's that's what this is. No, this isn't it at all. That's not what this is. But you can get great deals on the custom cable of your dreams. I don't know what all these deals are. I haven't been privy to some of this stuff. So join the super secret customer group, and the link is in the show notes for that. Or you can search for it on Facebook. Whatever is easier for you. I would just click the link. Just go in there. Clickety click. It'll take you right where you need to go. I'll make I'll make it so. Don't worry. And I don't know what kind of deals they have, but I'm sure they're gonna be banging. So go check that out. One more thing, and then we'll get on with it. I know, I'm sorry. I'll I'll be as fast as I can. I mentioned Black Friday, right? That's coming up. You guys heard that in the last two spots? Okay, good. So reverb.com is also doing a Black Friday, and if you go to tonemob.com slash reverb. Yes, this is kind of a new thing. You go to tonemob.com slash reverb. Click through that link. It's going to take you to reverb.com. And you will be able to do all your shopping as normal. You'll be able to buy whatever you're going to buy on their Black Friday deals. I think they've got some things marked down up to 20% on reverb, which is kind of crazy and awesome. You'll be able to 
buy those, purchase as normal, and a little percentage of that will come back to the show and help keep the thing going. It's a really cool opportunity for you to get your, you know, basically it's a have your cake and eat it too situation. Tonemob.com slash reverb. Buy whatever you're going to buy. And if you haven't heard of reverb up until now, which I would be very shocked if that was the case, uh, you sign up for an account, that helps put some wind in the sails too. So anything you do through the tonemob.com slash reverb link will help out, and that will be linked in the show notes. So if you found a Black Friday deal you can't live without, hit that link. It'll help us out. Okay, enough of me yapping. On with the show. Blast, I forgot. One, One last quick thing, just a note about this show. The internet really did a number on Scott's audio. I don't really know what happened to it. It was not what I was hearing while we were recording, but when I downloaded the files, it was really wonky sounding. So I EQ'd it and tweaked it around the best I could to get it to a a more acceptable kind of place, but for some reason it just sounds like there's a weird filter on the whole thing, which, like I said, was not there while we were recording. But I wasn't about to throw an entire episode away because it's a great talk, and he really... um, shares a lot of information on this that I think you guys will be very interested in. So there you go. On with the show. I just wanted to give you a quick warning about that. Okay, bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have returning after a long, long, long time. I mean, so long. I have Scott Marcourt with String Joy. What's happening? What's going on, dude? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been years. I was trying to think of the last time uh, we talked. I-, I feel like I was like episode, I don't know. 12 or 15 or somewhere there in the teens. I want to say like seven, like even wow. maybe even earlier. I don't remember. What a great could be getting that mixed up. Yeah, it was, it was an early one. And then, you know, things have changed dramatically for both of us since then. And I thought, you know, you know, uh, we should get you back on and, and rehash some of that. So I don't know for it's, it's been so long. Maybe we want to pick up know, where we left it, off I last time. I haven't talked to you in, in, in years. It's been, it's been just, what, oh. three years since we've caught up, right? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, you and I never talk, ever. <laughs> For the audience who probably does not know this, uh, a lot of industry guys do, but Scott and I work together on a variety of projects. Um, but uh, uh, So we talk probably three times a week. So things that's one thing that's changed dramatically. <laughs> Three times being conservative. If yeah, it's, if we're being exactly. honest, that, that's on a slow week. So uh, quite yes. a we're different in so many ways. Even then, I, I wonder how much I knew about you when we last spoke compared to now. Uh, I think you didn't know anything about me, and I didn't know anything about <laughs> you. Uh, let alone, uh, you know, having visited your town and you know hung out with you in your new shop and all that stuff. So I guess maybe the best thing to do would be to kind of pick up where it left off. I know we talked about your musical backstory and all that kind of classic stuff the first time. So people can go back and listen to that if they haven't had the chance. Um, 
So I don't want to rehash that all again. But what what has changed uh, for you and your company in the you know couple of years since we last recorded the conversation? Shoot, man. Yeah, but about everything. We've moved offices four times now since we last spoke. Um, back then, I think I probably had like two employees. Um, now there's 10 of us. So, you know, a much bigger team. Um, and, and I'm not even sure how many uh, sets of strings we were selling, you know, each day or, or a week back then. Um, but it's almost surely, I don't know, maybe six or eight times as much now. So, uh, all sorts of crazy growth um, all around. I mean, ultimately, I think when we last spoke, I was I knew a lot about guitar strings, especially, you know, being that that's something that not a lot of folks in the world know a ton about. Um, but gosh, I mean, uh, this is probably a biased perspective. But to me now, I feel like I know just like infinitely more um, than I did back then. Uh, I was in many ways still being mentored by some people that had been making strings for a long, long time back then. Um, and, you know, kind of long since um, surpassed that and developed a lot of new things on my own and um, learned so much. And I, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. It's a whole different world. Yeah, I know, you know, that there's been some major changes uh, in the way that, that you kind of run the operation, obviously. And um, but what what are some of the things that you've you've learned about through like string construction and and all the techniques and stuff. I mean, I know a lot of this stuff already because we've talked about it so much, but you know, what are some things that you didn't know at the time that you you think the audience might find interesting? Yeah, you know absolutely. Now, I guess. So, I mean, one of the biggest things is probably that um back then we were using um entirely um, ratios for, for making strings, which I'll explain what those are in a second, um, that came to us from the, the late luthier, Jimmy DeQuisto, who's, um, was a bit of a genius when it comes to creating hollow body and solid body guitars. He had a string company as well. And, um, my mentor in this, um, learned from, from that company as well. So I kind of had a lot of that sort of knowledge and info passed down to us. Um, but, uh, while we, we kept some of those and in many ways, you know, we've really honed in on and perfected a lot of those things even better now. So um, for people out there that don't know what that is, if you're making, you know, let's say uh, a 50 gauge guitar string, there's a couple different ways that you can make that because you have a core wire in a guitar string and then you have a wrap wire that goes around that core wire for all wound strings. Um, and there's a couple different ways that you can have ratios of those two things that will add up to your finished gauge. So like two off the top of my head. Um, do some some quick math. Um, so you could use like a 19 gauge wrap wire and math. Sorry, these things are sometimes a little bit hard. Um, and a 16 gauge <laughs> wrap wire, um, which would add up to 51 if you uh, are doing the math at home. So you got to count that wrap wire twice and the core wire once. Um, the thing to know about that when I'm talking about these things are that when we make a guitar string, we're actually sort of shrinking. Um, the the wrap wire against the core wire. Um, so in many ways, like the whole is a little bit smaller than the sum of its parts. Um, but so, you know, you could make that with a 19 core wire and a 16 wrap wire, like I was saying, or you can make it with a 17 core wire and a 17 wrap wire. Um, and, you know, which of those you pick has, you know, a lot of different effects in terms of playability, how flexible it is, and durability, what the actual string itself sounds like, all sorts of stuff like that. So you know, in many ways, over the course of these years, we've done a lot of studies and a lot of 
um, experiments with players that we have here, as well as um, friends that I have that work in engineering departments at nearby colleges um, to study a lot of these things and sort of come up with what I think are, you know, an even better sort of perfect combination for, for all of our strengths. So um, what that means when you have a better combination of those, those numbers, your better recipes, uh, is that a string, number one, will intonate perfectly on, on almost any guitar with very little adjustment. Um, it'll sound the way that you want it to in terms of the right balance of body and brightness, and it'll play the way you want it to, where it's not too flexible, um, but it's flexible enough, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's been one of the biggest things. You know, back, back then I was in many ways using things I'd inherited, and then along the way uh, made a lot of little tweaks and perfections to make those things uh, better. Uh, and then, you know, in addition to that, um, we've been just perfecting all sorts of crazy stuff about our equipment. Um, basic things like where you're dampening the wire when it's hitting the core wire um, to get like the most perfect possible wrap. We've had a lot of different modifications and adjustments and things like that on our winding equipment that we've come up with. We're, we're still coming up with stuff all the time these days um, to make a better string at the end of the day and make a more consistent string. Um, but I think one thing I would say to summarize this is that I think a lot of the other companies that, that make strings in many ways like they have their, their recipes and their techniques that they developed back in the 60s or what have you, um, and they can't really change those or modify them because, uh, you know, I think they've got a lot of players that have been playing their strings for 30 years, and if they woke up one day and got a pack of the same strings and they were different, um, that would be a whole lot of backlash. So I think for those guys, what happens a lot of times um, is they sort of, you know, store up these improvements over time. They don't make them to their existing product line. And then, you know, once every 10 years, they'll launch some new revolutionary um, line that adds in a lot of things that they've learned and, you know, probably charge you more for it. Um, one thing that we try to do, uh, a little bit different than that, is, you know, our strings do evolve. If we find a way to make a string better, we're not going to, like, release that as some premium product and then keep making the thing that wasn't as good. Um, we will just make it better. <laughs> And I think a lot right. of players um, that play our strings, they might not necessarily know that. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's not that things are like changing in this drastic way, but if we find something that intonates better and sounds better, we can test that and show that. Um, we're going to go ahead and make things that way. So I, I, I'm kind of proud of that, that as a company, I think we're able to always keep improving and, and continue to improve things over time so that our products don't get stale or get surpassed by um, by other product lines from other companies. Yeah, that's a an interesting way to go about it. And, and you know, you mentioned something a while back where you were talking about working with some uh, engineering departments in the local college. I think if you could talk about that a little bit more, I know, you know, I know quite a bit about what you're speaking of, but um, just the the level that uh, your friend uh, Mason has has went into studying some of this stuff is pretty fascinating. I think people would be interested to hear like, but there's a lot that goes into it. Like strings uh, for all intents and purposes are metal wrapped around metal, right? As we've talked about uh, many times, but there's so much more to it uh, than I ever imagined. Like in talking to you, I never thought that I would care or know this much about uh, strings. And I didn't know there was this much to know. Um, but like, oh, yeah, yeah, talk absolutely. about uh, some of the, some of the testing he's done and like what, you know, you know, as much as you can without making people's eyes glaze over. 
because we're cer- <laughs> certainly nerdy, ner- nerdier about it than your average guitar player. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, first, let me, uh, so people know what I'm talking about, let me like rattle through a few of the different things that you can change um, to make strings different. So, um, assuming that you're keeping all your materials the same, you're not even, you know, switching up the materials you're making your core wrap wire out of. Um, there's not only the, the ratios, like I was just talking about earlier, um, there's also how much torque or tension you're hitting, um, you're putting on the wrap wire as you're getting it around the core wire, which can affect, you know, how, how large your string is overall at the end, uh, with that shrinking process that we were talking about before. There's the angle that that wrap wire will hit, um, the core wire as you're winding so that you end up, you know, with the, just the right amount of space between the windings or no space between the windings. There's the tension that you have the core wire under. We wind our strings at tension, much, much like um, you'll play them on the guitar. But there's an infinite range of tensions that you could use on that core wire, and those have a result on the string as well. Um, so there's all these different factors that, that are at play um, in making a finished string, and every company does do them differently. Um, so to your point, um, Mason, who uh, his name's Mason Hickman, he was my freshman year roommate at Vanderbilt. Uh, we played in the band together, and uh, now he's a PhD candidate at Vanderbilt in uh, mechanical, or, sorry, uh, civil engineering, and he's studying material sciences. Um, and he's taken on as his sort of main um, thesis project. I think I'm saying that right. Um, studying guitar strings and, and, and trying to like be able to eventually build out um, a computer model that will let us input these different sort of variables and be able to you know, determine the range of possibilities that will happen based on them. Um, so it's really cool. He's, he's built out this rig um, that basically he bought like a guitar body um, and, you know, has it strung up with like a single string and he has a robot that will pick it, um, you know, based on different speeds or torque amounts or things like that. Um, and he's able to measure all the different properties of the string. Um, and then, you know, he'll, he'll do other sort of tests on strings as well, whether that's brake testing or fatigue testing, where you're really just like wearing out um, a string and seeing how strong it is. Um, so he's been doing all this stuff, and he's got a bunch more work to do, so we're, we're learning more stuff all the time. Um, but I think being able to quantify um, things about different strings, you know, and we're not just studying our own strings, we're studying strings from all the different string manufacturers, um, it's been really powerful because, you know, like I'll, I'll always string out strings on a guitar um, regularly. I'm always experimenting. Um, and I can tell a lot with my ears uh, and with my fingers, but having that other layer where you're really able to quantify um, what, you know, the actual sonic spectrum is uh, of a string or what, you know, it tests out to on fatigue tests and things like that, that is like just a totally different uh, paradigm, you know, for us to be able to see all that information about different strings and then try to infer why that is or how different elements of the process uh, change certain things. So yeah, to your point, I mean, strings seem so simple and you can think of them simple. I mean, you could run a string company and uh, and still think that strings are simple. You know, you can just wrap wire around wire and then put that out and not really give it a second thought. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm a big nerd, so to me, you know, being able to learn all these <laughs> things about it and um, find ways that we can improve, um, it's just it makes it more fun. I, I like thinking that. You know, every every year we're making even better strings than the year before. Not that they've ever been bad, but just that um, there's always opportunities to improve. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that's a it's kind of a fresh take on things in in a lot of ways. To your point, you know, like you said, there's 
it'd be really difficult for one of the bigger operations to just suddenly, oh, we found out we've been doing this wrong, uh, or right. not maybe not wrong <laughs> per se, but but we would like to do it differently because we like it better this way. But we've got you know a million guitar players that like it this way, and so we can't just change. You yeah, know, exactly. It's, it's a nice opportunity for us to be nimble. I mean, and some people like really understand what that means. Um, let's say, you know, you were a big string company and you had a, like a 49 on your E and you were making it one way and then you found another way to make it. Um, well, if you do that, even if that other way is better, all those people that have been playing your strings, you know, forever and had their, you know, probably adjusted their bridge to intonate well for those strings like 10 years ago and maybe haven't touched it, uh, it's going to throw off the intonation. <laughs> On, on a lot of those guitars, you know, maybe very subtly, uh, but that could cause a really big disaster, uh, especially if, you know, you can't really communicate to your customers why that is or how they need to adjust for it. Um, so it, it's it's a great thing for us to be able to be nimble. Um, and, and I do think it's it's a unique um, area that, that we can kind of fill in the industry. Uh, there are obviously some big guys in the string world that, you know, I, I'm not going to rag on their strings. They make uh, great stuff and like a really, really tremendous clip. Um, I think, um, if you don't mind me making it aside, um, it makes me think of like every craft brewer that I've ever talked to, if we ever get to talking about Budweiser or something, um, you would expect those guys to just rag on them and be like, ah, they make, you know, terrible beer, but that's not true. They're always like, it's amazing that they have 20 different plants where they're making beer, you know, out of di like different seasonal varieties of hops and stuff. There's always changes in agricultural products. And yet, despite that, like they make a Budweiser taste like a Budweiser every time. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. they don't really raise prices. Like it's really impressive to be able to do that. So when you're running at a scale, I mean, just to be able to um, make that many strings, you know, without having um, big quality issues uh, or, or, you know, having things be inconsistent from one string to another, that is impressive. So I do admire those guys. Um, but, you know, for us, it's not just about how many strings we can make as fast as possible. Um, it's, it's about trying to make something better. I mean, that's by being a newer company uh, and a smaller company, we have to be better uh, if we want people to be able to support us. Um, so I think it's able, cool to be able to do that, but also not to be too hocus-pocusy and juju-y about why things are better, <laughs> but to be able to actually right. test and demonstrate and base things on actual numbers, you know. Mm hmm. Yeah. Actual, real, measurable things. That is that's yeah. really cool. And I think I, I, I know that like I know that the those some of the bigger companies do these things, obviously, oh, but it's just yeah. it's it's hard to turn the it's hard to turn a ship that big. You know, it's yeah. like it's easy to for a speedboat to kind of just turn around. Uh, mm -hmm. But a tanker can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that's exactly right. It just is a different thing. Um. That's all really fascinating stuff. I still I still find it uh, intriguing to kind of watch the process and um, and to talk through some of these things that, that we've been talking about, you know, off the air for for so long is like, well, what if we tried, you know, we've tried we've talked about well, what if we tried, you know, wrapping, uh, you know, winding at a higher tension? What if we tried winding at a lower tension? Just like I never, ever, ever. I remember the first time you contacted me, quite literally, the first thought I had was like, how are we going to talk about strings for an hour? And now, <laughs> and how many hours have we talked about strings since then? Oh man. Like, <laughs> I mean, quite literally probably hundreds at this point. 
I mean, it's 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 kind of insane. Um, and and you know, to your point, it, like I, I I think you can't emphasize enough how how big of a difference these little changes make. If I uh, were to wind up some things under under higher core tension um, and then lower core tension that are the exact same gauge, exact same recipe, and everything, um, you could feel the difference. Like absolutely, just by like mm-hmm. shaking the string around, you can feel the difference in how slinky it is. Um, so mm-hmm. I mean. When it can be easy to to look at a brand, it, 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 I think a lot of people feel like strings the way that I probably feel about toothpaste. Um, that you know, you, you kind of stand in the the aisle and you know everything's. <laughs> you've got your cinnamon, you've got your minty fresh, you know, and there's different brands. And like in the back of your head, I think you're just like, are these all the exact same thing? <laughs> <laughs> right. Is there any difference here? Aren't... Uh, and I think right. it, it's easy to forgive folks for. Um, for thinking that about guitar strings, um, but it isn't necessarily the case. Um, although I should say, and maybe this is uh, another topic to, to go into, um, but some of the some of the very largest companies, in many cases, they are very much the same. Uh, you can choose to follow up on that or not. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> well, I guess. Uh, I guess. I'm I think that there's there's a there's been a long standing sort of um I don't know I I think I I think the word is probably suspicion because I don't think anybody really knows um for a fact at least not at the you know my level the general guitar player level like I think there's there's been some suspicion here and there throughout the years that like like you said with the toothpaste like are these all the same um but they're definitely not um, not to say that some people don't don't manufacture for others occasionally, but as you've talked about, there's there's definitely a lot of different factories making different things. Um, yeah, and like kind know, of all across the world. If you don't mind, like uh, I, I've thought about like making a YouTube video, uh, you know, talking about who, you know, how many string manufacturers there are or whatever. But it always felt like it'd be a little bit weird coming like directly from from the String Joy channel. Um, but your mm-hmm. customers are super intelligent and super informed in guitar, so maybe this is a good avenue to, to talk about that. If that's all right with you. Okay. Yeah. Whatever so, you feel comfortable, kind of talking about. I don't. I don't really know how much to peel back the curtain on these things. You know. Cool. I'll, I'll, I'll take lead on it. Uh, you know, there's there's always a question of like when you're inside the industry of something of like things that you should or shouldn't say. Um, but this one I think is okay. So like. There is a lot of suspicion. We probably talked about it on our last episode um, that people, you know, that say like, oh, there ain't but one company that makes all the strings in the world. Um, and, right. and that's not true. It's kind of an old wives tale. I hear it at NAMM every time. Uh, people come up to the, the booth and are like, hey, you know, did you know that there's only one company that makes all the strings? I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> are you asking me that? Um, if that was true, right. I would definitely know. <laughs> but... Um, but that's not really true. Um, what it gets to is that there is definitely such a thing as private labeling, um, you know, where manufacturers will make strings for other companies. It happens all the time. It happens in every industry. Um, but there are also a lot of people that do make strings. So um, the la- off the top of my head, I can think of 13 companies in the U.S. that, like, make sort of very, like, guitar-specific strings, like electric guitar strings and Acoustic guitar strings and bass mm-hmm. guitar strings. Um, so more than more than probably people think. Um, there are definitely brands that you see um, out out there 
Okay, so let me let's do this. I, I I've been like waffling around because I don't know if it's like wrong to list them, but I'll, I'll list of like who I can think of that I know makes rings. If that's cool with you, we're gonna give some some insider. That's fine. To uh, <laughs> to the the tone mob audience. So I like I think of them geographically. So in, in the northeast, um, there's Nadario, there's Dr, and there's Labella. I think those are like the main three up there. Um, and then you used to have Black Diamond down in Florida. Though they recently got acquired um, by a company up in California. Um, and then you have us in Tennessee, Mapes in Tennessee. Uh, this applies a lot of the wire for everybody, but also makes strings as well. Uh, up in Michigan, you have GHS. Um, and then in Colorado, you have Kurt Mangan. I know he makes strings. And then out on the West Coast, you've got Clear Tone, um, Ernie Ball, of course. Uh, and then GSM, who owns Black Diamond now. And I think that's like all of them that I can think of, of like the, the larger um, sort of things. There's like some other people that like have like, you know, like a, a, a single machine. Like, you know, Gabriel does stuff out west. You have, I think, Gary Goodman. There's a guy that makes like some crazy stuff like that. And then Kalium up in Washington, too. So there's, there's, there's quite a few. But, you know, it's a question of like where you draw the line between like, you know, a larger operation or a smaller operation or whatever. But I say all that to say, like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of companies that make strings. I think a lot more than some people probably realize. Um, right. You know, it's a small group, but, like, a pretty strong group. Um, and so the people out there, uh, I'll, I'll leave it up to you, but there's probably some brands that you've heard of that uh, weren't listed. <laughs> and I might have... Uh, <laughs> I, I might have glossed over somebody, so don't take my word as gospel. I'm sure I could have forgotten one or two or three people um, along the way. But but I say that all the same. Yeah. Like, you know, don't don't think that nobody makes strings. There's a there's a bunch of us that do. Um, we all do things slightly differently. We have our own particular ways of doing things. We probably all think that our way is best, and it's up to you to decide <laughs> which one uh, is best for you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it's really interesting, and then you know, and then that's just the U.S., which is kind of well, where yeah, we pay yeah. most. Yeah, and there's companies like Mark simply... that has their their shop down in Mexico, um, you know, and, and people that used to make stuff in the U.S. like Gibson and Fender and stuff, they're like shops that have closed. Uh, Dean Markley used to have a big shop back in the day, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, and then there's you know there's there's some European companies that what, what I really realized in talking to you and paying more attention to strings in general, um, was how many string companies there really are, which, you know, everybody you just named is pretty much who I think of. Right. Um, that's who I think of when I think of strings, but when, uh, I think it was Ernie ball did that. Maybe it was Ernie ball. Maybe it was, I can't remember. I might be mixing up two different product launches in my head, but Ernie ball, put out like a survey uh, at one point. I think it was them that it was asked them. Like, yeah, who, what about. strings you were playing. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, there was like, I don't know how many different brands on there and many of which I'd never heard of before. I remember so it's looking like, at that too. And there was someone there that I didn't even know of. And we weren't on there, which is mm -hmm. uh, a great compliment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, Ernie Paul. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that just shows you the scale of things, too. Like, you know, you guys have, have been around for a while. Um, but like, it's, you know, it's it's a weird it's a weird section of the industry, I think. Um, even weirder than pedals, which I'm 
much more familiar with. Um, there's just uh, there's a lot of brands. I just I was never I would never knew there were so many brands um, uh, doing and everybody, like you said, doing things just a little bit differently. It's kind yeah. of a kind of a weird world. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy how many of them there are. And, and now I'm even like with my listing earlier, I'm even thinking of a few more that I'm like, oh, I can't remember if they're still, you know, up and running or if they have their own thing. So it's it's hard even for me, like being very inside of it to keep track. You know, um, there's always like <laughs> there can always be companies that I haven't heard of. And I'm like, oh, they got some some machines, too. So, like, I think the thing that a lot of folks don't realize that I've definitely tried to hammer home um, is that. Like when we talk about like string winding machines, like they they are that, but it's not it's not I think how people think of them. I think people think of them as like fully automated um, things that just like you press a button and they spit out um, strings over and over and over and over again until you tell it to stop. Um, and even like for the big companies, uh, that's that's still not the case. Like they've automated a bunch of, of steps in the process, but there's still a person manning you know eight to twelve machines. That are all making strings, so it's 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 more manual. But you know, for for stuff like us, like um, you know, somebody's like touching the wire like a billion different times in different places, you know, to to make a string, and they're adjusting a lot of things. It's it, it's a lot more of a craft, um, I think, than than some people realize. And even like your your string companies out there that like take a super um, like hands-on sort of freehand style approach where they're guiding the wrap wire. Um, even the machines that make those like look the same as as other machines, basically. There's a few like little little pieces that are missing. Um, but it always looks like this big machine or piece of equipment, but it's not what people think of necessarily. You know, I, I think of it more as a, a tool or a piece of equipment than I do um, some, you know, big powerful chugging machine that just does everything for you. Yeah, it's I mean, what it really is um, in in function now that I've like seen it up close, it's it's a lathe that's been like modified to uh, not modified, but like that's the general function of it is is yeah. that of a machine lathe and um, anybody who works with that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And anybody who works with those things know like those are not a manual or, you know, they're not a automatic thing. Most of the time there's a, there's a machinist working with the lathe to make whatever the lathe is making. Um, and it's a very, it's a very hands-on type thing. Like a machinist is a job for a reason. Uh, just kind of like a st a string winder is a job because it's a specific thing that you have to learn how to do. No one is just born with either of those skills. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, I mean, to make a bunch of strings, you know, to make hundreds of strings in a day um, and like make sure that they're all good is uh, it's tough. It, it takes a very specific person. We've got some awesome people that are winders for us, um, but it's they're not always easy to find. You know, it takes a, a special type of person that can be really amazing at that. Yeah, it's a it's like um, kind of the repetitive nature, but then also you got to have a really good attention to detail and no what to look for. Um, yeah, that's I, the biggest thing. I'm, and I'm only saying all this because because I actually, you know, got to see it in person. Like I would mm -hmm. I would have never even like I've seen, you know, a couple different string operations and it's like, wow, like this is such it's kind of a fascinating process to watch, honestly. 
it's, you know, every it's like, oh, guitarist wow. that I've ever had over here to the shop, they all are like amazed. Uh, like, oh, that's how they're made. Um, like almost every, like to, to a man, they've said like, I thought there was just a, a machine that just cranked these out all day. Um, and that seems to be kind of what everyone uh, out there thinks um, for whatever reason. So it, it's kind of fun to be able to um, show people that things are a lot more involved than that, you know, and a lot more of a craft. Yeah, well, and even if you dig through like like we've done before, uh, or you, rather you've shown me, I should say, um, like the the videos out there from from like Daddario and stuff, and it's like these are this is a very like at every level, uh, this is a very involved process. You know, they have obviously big you know multi function machines and stuff, but it's there's somebody there. It's very involved. It's a uh, it's 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 almost hard to it would almost be hard to harder to not have a person like I don't understand how, you know, until we have robots that can move like humans. I don't see this process ever being fully automated. Yeah, I, w- I would kind of agree. I mean, and, and for folks out there that are wondering, I mean, kind of like the, the biggest differences you'll see between um, some of the bigger companies and some of the smaller companies. I mean, these things are relative. There are small companies that have two machines that are as tricked out as any larger company. So it's, you know, that's not always the easiest way to put it. Um, But for a lot of the bigger ones, like they will have sort of touch screens that are like pre-programmed. So for every combination of wrap and core, you can just sort of enter that in that it'll adjust everything um, for you. And then the other thing is like ultimately because of that, because they have uh, a lot of sensors that have these things, the motion and everything largely automated. um, One person is like usually manning like eight to... I think in some cases as many as 12 um, machines at a time. So like they're loading the core wire on there, getting the wrap wire started um, and then, you know, hit and go and then, you know, loading the core wire and getting it started on another one and doing that all down the line and then coming back and taking them all off. Um, Whereas for us, and I I can't speak for every company out there, but like we have one person working on one machine, making one string at a time and watching that whole line and adjusting things. Uh, over the course of the wine to make everything as perfect as we can get it. Um, and, you know, where they have touch screens and things, we have uh, a lot of manual dials and things like that um, that I, I think are actually advantageous because you can make these micro adjustments um, along the way instead of just like hitting a program setting. Um, you know, to me, I think that that ends up with a better string at the end of the day. But, you know, they would disagree and they do things their way because that's how they want to do it. And that's totally cool. Um, but I think you get to some of that level of um, making things in smaller batches uh, versus, you know, making things in like these very large sort of pre-programmed um, batches to get everything as uniform as possible. Right, right, right. That's interesting. Um, have you, have you, because, cause, I mean, Stringjoy's got to be, you know, probably one of the newest string companies even though you've been around for a while it's got to be one of the newest at least that that i'm aware of um i think we're the the game. Have you... I'm, I'm aware of too i mean i know um i know of one company that started just a little bit after us that is no longer around um but uh other than that like we're, we're some of the newest i believe okay so have you found it um i know the answer to this but <laughs> i'm gonna ask you anyway <laughs> have you have you found it difficult to um, to try to like I for instance we've kind of talked about this before like a new pedal company it's almost like 
it's kind of easier to differentiate yourself. It's like, uh, maybe not now because there's so many, but early on it's like, oh no, uh, this is a distortion, but you know, look at all these knobs and switches we put on that nobody else does. Uh, mm-hmm. it's like visually like, ah, that looks different. Um, with strings, it's it's like something you don't know if you like it until you buy it, take it out of the package, string it up, and play it for a little while. Um, so have you found it difficult to get, convince people to try the new kit on the block? Yeah, so there, there's like a, I have a few different like answers to sub-questions of that. I'm like the biggest rambler you probably have on this show. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for one... Works for me. Been, well, yeah, I guess you don't have to ask as many questions that way. Um, but for one, to, like, to, speaking to players' responses, you know, um, I suspected it to be in many ways harder than it has been. Um, I, there's been a, like so many players out there in general that um, I think are, are intrigued by uh, what could be something more, um, you know, with their, their strings than maybe what they've been playing. And so there's a, there's been a lot of interest in in trying that. You know, I, I kind of think like uh, if strings were like pedals or something, you know, it'd be like back when people were only really playing boss pedals or something like that. You know, and like you have to be the Robert Keeley or the Brian Wampler or those those early people to convince people that like they ought to try something different. Um, and so there's been mm-hmm. a little a little bit of that, but in general, people have been super enthusiastic, and I think once they hear our message and um, hear what we're all about. Um, they've been, you know, in, intrigued to give it a shot. Um, but that said, there are always um, lots of people out there that are like super brand loyal to what they play, and that's like super fine with me. The thing we always notice if, if we'll have ads or a Facebook post or something like that, you know, there'll always be some people that comment like their own. The only thing they comment is like the brand they play. Uh, we get a lot of those with a Ernie Ball, and you're like, yes, it that that is a company that makes strings. <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> um, you know, so there's definitely those people uh, that are really hardened in what they play. And that's fine. You know, like I'm I didn't start a string company because, you know, I thought the other string companies were just making terrible quality product. And, um, you know, there is only I'm, I make the only strings out there that are good. Um, other string companies do different things and those will work differently for different players. So. Um, for players out there that love what they're playing and couldn't imagine anything better, um, like I've said a billion times, like st- stick with it. <laughs> if, if you, you know, no matter what it is, if you love something and couldn't, you know, it checks all your boxes, like um, why uh, the grass isn't always greener, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I think we make great <laughs> stuff, but like I, I say that only to say, you know, uh, you know, if you married the best girl in the world, right? Like you don't need to, you know, if she's perfect for you, you don't need to go knock on other doors. Um, you got what you, what you set up. <laughs> to get. Um, but there's plenty of players, I think, that um, that have wanted something more from their strings or something different from their strings. Um, and we've, I think, been able to to provide that for a lot of folks. So it's it's been a fun ride um, being able to take that journey with people and find a, like so many comments that, uh, people are like, you know, I just thought strings were just strings and didn't really matter. And then I put on a set of your strings and my guitar came to life. Uh, you know, we get a lot of those sort of comments. And that is super cool to me because I feel like I'm, um, you know, as much as I love strings and love getting into the nerdy details of, of how to make them better and better, I love bringing other people into that world too, you know, and, and changing people's mind about something they might have taken for granted before. 
I take a lot of joy in that. Well, yeah, you mentioned something that I thought was interesting that I will I will confirm for everybody, um, <laughs> which is uh, you didn't start a string company because you thought that others like other companies were doing a bad job. You started it because you're a huge nerd. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I say I that pos- in a positive that, way. You know, and, and yeah. the truth <laughs> is, Blake, like. Now, now I have enough distance from, you know, uh, starting up that I feel like I can say this. When I very first started a string company, the, the reason was just like very specifically because I was playing custom gauges of strings and I couldn't get custom gauges of strings anywhere else, you know, without buying weird stale singles off the shelf at a guitar store and I could find them or mixing brands or whatever. And I thought that was dumb. And I thought there might be space for, um, you know, a company that could provide that customization for, you know, that, that very small percentage of players, you know, that um, care enough to like really get involved in what gauges they're playing and all that. Uh, it was honestly only once I got like further and deeper into it that I started finding ways to like not just offer custom gauges, but make strings that I thought were better, you know. So it really didn't it, it wasn't that from the start. I was just trying to scratch my own itch. And then along the mm-hmm. way of getting to know this, you know, found so many little or big things that, you know, I, I thought could be improved um, or, you know, just done differently to, I think, you know, make a cooler, you know, even if not better, um, a more distinctive product or something that would work better for a given guitarist. Mm-hmm. Work better for somebody like you, basically. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you're not, you're not going to make anything uh, that you wouldn't personally enjoy using. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that about you. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, like, yeah, you should yeah. try this, and it's like, nah, that doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely, uh, we definitely get a lot of a lot of requests all over the board for things, and there are some things that I'm just like, ah, maybe one day, but but not not right now. Yeah, um, and and you know, certain things they take uh, they take a whole another level of of you know of uh what's the word i'm looking for like you have to like certain things like flat wounds are a whole nother world like yeah you got to do you got to do i mean it's the same process conceptually but you got to do a lot of different things in order to make flats yeah you know Uh, which i I know is something uh, that's been on your radar yeah and we're we're very much working on that i've got a i've got an old sort of grinding slash polishing machine which is basically uh a slightly deconstructed string winding machine um, that has sort of a clamp, you know, where you can attach um, some rouge and some some paper of your your choosing to a certain grit uh, to get strings, you know, polished off on top that you need to make flat wounds. Um, so I've I've been working on one of those. Blake's heard me talk about it a billion times. Uh, it's like my hot rod in the garage, like a tinder to a lamp tailor um, <laughs> that I've been working on forever. But uh, but it's coming coming close, and we'll be able to do that. But you know, I was just going to say, uh, I was telling you about this earlier, Blake, before we jumped on this. Um, my buddy Mason, who I mentioned before, had just texted me earlier today. Um, he was at, like, Guitar Center going to buy some flats. And, I, you know, they were going to cost him, like, 40 bucks. Uh, and he was like, man, what is it? What, like, is it just that these are longer that makes them cost $40 instead of, you know, $8 or whatever the heck um, for electric guitar strings? So I wrote him up, like, a, a painfully detailed... Um, bit of exactly how you do that um so i was basically telling him like well if you want to make 
a 100 gauge flat wound string. You have to start with a 23 you know, gauge core wire, and then you tightly wrap nine gauge on to about 36 and a half inches. Then you have to reverse the everything and then wrap an 11 the opposite way to go just past that to about like 37 inches. Then you reverse it again and loosely wrap a 19 over it up to about <laughs> 38 inches. Then you have to take that and then take it to a grinding or a polishing machine and then let it grind or polish off about, you know, four, like 0.004 to 0.005 um, off of its diameter so that you have this nice smooth surface. This is just for like really heavy strings that you have to do this for the flat wound. And then you take it and you put, you know, uh, 0.005 or 0.006 um, thickness flat stainless steel ribbon wire. You wind that um, around the whole thing. And then you take it back to a grinder or a polisher and polish up the stainless steel. <laughs> Can you hear me, Scott? I think I've lost you. Three minutes. Can you hear me, Blake? There you Blake, are. Blake? There you are. Okay. What happened? Oh, I don't know what happened. You went. You went dead while you were describing the last step of the process. I'll have oh, to. No. I'll have to cut that together a little bit. Yeah. So um, after you after you wrap the flat, uh, yeah, you just talk like you were t never stopped. Because okay. I don't know if it recorded or not. It probably did, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Then you I'm take the I'm whole... making a note to edit this. Okay, no problem. I'll, I'll start like kind of midway yeah. through there and you can find a good, good thing. And then you take the right, whole thanks. string and you take it over to a grinder and a polisher and you polish down that stainless steel outer ribbon wire so that you have a smooth, polished, flat wound string. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a heck of a process that's involved in making a string like that. Uh, and I think a lot of folks, even folks that probably play flats, don't necessarily know that. I mean, like, did did you, for example, or I guess you probably did because you talk to me all the time, but uh, I don't think most people know that like a flat wound isn't flat all the way down. You know, it's like a ribbon wire on the outside and there's a round wound string right under there. So there's there's so much about strings that uh, that nobody out there knows. And maybe a lot of players don't really care to know. And that's fine. But uh, but I know so that you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> no i i i didn't know that about about well i didn't even realize until talking to you you know this is probably a year and a half ago that i that i that you informed me about this that heavy gauge strings are generally compound wines i just yeah. thought they were they were just like a regular guitar string just like two you know one layer over a core um yep usually you when you see, get to you know, when you're changing your 60 strings. and up um, that's why you'll see like a taper, you know, on the end. Um, when you get to like 60 gauge and up, you're going to have two wraps and then usually 90 gauge and up, kind of depending on the company and your recipe, um, you're going to have three wraps. So, I mean, if you have like a set of five bass strings, like your 45 just has one wrap, but then your 65 is going to have two, your 85 is going to have two, your 105 is going to have three. And then you're like 130 or 135 and the bottom is also going to have three. So there's like 11 total wraps. So basically like the process that you, you know, do to make like one regular electric guitar string um, happens 11 times in different directions to make a whole set of bass strings. So, you know, that's that's why they're they're more expensive. There's a, a, a big reason for it. Not to mention that um, oh, there's oh. always like uh, one other thing I should mention, like. 
with any string, like there's an opportunity for it to, you know, you can you can make strings that are bad. Like we we throw out strings. That's like a, a necessary thing uh, in order to put out great strings. I think. But uh, when you're doing something multiple times like that, um, you know, you might like there's so many opportunities. If something like crummy happens on the very last line, you have to throw the whole thing away, and then like all everything that happened before that is all nothing. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if the yeah. if the last rap has an imperfection in it, and it's like, well, the other four were or the other three were perfect, but this one's this is no good now. Yep, exactly. It goes into so it gets a recycling. Lot more expensive. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, it's it's a it's just yeah, it's such a process. So I know we've said it and said it again and again and again, but like it. Like the, I said, the first time I, I talked to you, I didn't know that I would be even be this interested in strings. I think people <laughs> I think people are going to enjoy this episode. This is a this is a, a very much a crash course in in how strings are constructed, I suppose. Well, and if we are going to give everyone like the full crash course on strings, I feel like I should mention um, one thing that I think comes up quite a bit, um, which is that, you know, when players kind of make that turn from. Uh, maybe not thinking about the strings much into wanting to know a lot more about strings um, and, you know, customize things or, or find things that'll work better for them. Uh, what happens a lot is they end up using sort of online string tension calculators. Um, and certainly, like, that's what I used to do. So, like, no, you know, there's no shame in it. It can be kind of cool to explore um, and see what the different tensions are of different gauges of strings and different notes. Um, but I do want to caution folks not to lean too heavily on them because while tension is an important part of the, the puzzle, it, it isn't everything. So just because like all the tension numbers draw everything up just right um, for you know a, a given setup, doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the best setup that's going to feel balanced and sound balanced. When we sell like our, our balanced sets of strings, um, it's a mixture of balanced tension and balanced tone and balanced feel. Um, so like you know a couple examples of, of different things that, that make a difference there. So your tension, you know, on a given set of gauges might look just right, or it might, you know, you might be playing um, gauges that you've played before from a different manufacturer, but there's a few other things at foot. Uh, one being, you know, the core wire in many ways is what's going to dictate the intonation of a given set of, you know, or a given string on your guitar. So just because, like, the tension number looks good doesn't necessarily mean um, it's going to intonate unless it's intended to. Um, and the other big thing is that, um, the core wire that's in a wound string is in many ways what you're actually feeling when you're playing that wound string. So you you want to be smart about like how that's laying out when you're building out a set of strings like we do for our you know our classic sets that a lot of people um, love and, and play. So like for us, for example, um, our balance eleven set um, goes twenty eight, thirty eight, and fifty on the wound string. There's an eleven, fourteen, and eighteen uh, up top, of course. Um, one thing that we've like sort of chosen there is that we're getting core wire that gets just progressively um, just a little bit heavier with each string in that set. Um, not too much heavier or not, not heavier at all. We want to have that very gradual rise in the you know, thickness of the core wire in order for a set to feel truly balanced when you go to play it. Um, but for example, you know, I've had people that came from a different manufacturer whose set of 11s went 30, 40, 50 on the bottom and they'll build that set up with us. And while that is okay, it's not really ideal. Like for us, for example, or, or for a different company, you know, 
the 40 and 50 you don't see in sets together for us because those have uh, a too similar core wire to sit really nicely next to each other. You're going to end up with an A string that feels a little bit too powerful next to your E string, um, you know, compared to what you're getting out of that E string. So there's there's a lot of different things, you know, I think that are at, at play in building out a set that's going to be perfect. And while I encourage folks out there to definitely like dive in as, as much as they can, um, just know that something like a tension calculator isn't going to give you the entire story about what's going to actually play really right on your guitar. That's a that's a good note because that's something after you came on the first time I started looking at was I like I didn't I didn't pay attention to my strings at all um, prior to that show other than I play 11s uh, you know like that's mm-hmm. what I play and 11s are wonderful and then after that I started looking at things like tension calculators and and other things and and really like oh this is all interesting and then had you know would talk to you about it and you're like well yeah but there's more going on. I'm like, there's always more. It seems so simple, but there's always something <laughs> yeah, I mean, more. And 11s are a great example because I can and have, I can make a 28 with a 14 or a 15 core wire. I can make a 38 with a 15 or a 17 core wire, and I can make a 50 with a 17 or a 19 core wire. So two different sets of strings that have the exact same gauges on one the core wire might go 14, 15, 17, and on, you know, from your lightest to heaviest there. And then on another, it might go 15, 17, 19. And as you can imagine, even though the gauges are the same, those sets are going to feel way different and intonate way different and sound different too. It's true. It's true. We've, we've done enough experiments at this point. Well, you definitely have done a ton of experiments. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I don't know. This is all pretty interesting to me and other nerds like myself. So this has got to be like one of the most on topic tone mob episodes in a long while. We we really <laughs> did just hammer home on on the uh, on the string stuff. I think uh, people who uh, listen to this, if you really absorb, try to absorb everything Scott's saying, it can be a lot. There's a lot of numbers involved, uh, which I'm not a numbers guy, but there's a lot here. And I think you probably know more about guitar strings now uh the listener uh than than most people do most people who work in a store their whole lives probably don't know quite as much about guitar strings as you do now um no man that's the the honest to god truth um you know a lot of people that work in stores or heck even a lot of techs uh you know or luthiers sometimes don't know it quite at that level not that they don't know tons about other stuff um but i mean we all the time uh This will sound like whining. I don't mean it to, but I, I will have players occasionally be like, well, you know, I'll tell them one thing and they'll be like, well, the guy at the store said this. I'm like, well, he's wrong. <laughs> he's never, you know, manufactured guitar strings. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't say that to be a jerk or anything like that, but I mean, it really is a thing that um, almost nobody knows anything about, you know, maybe there's 12 or 13 mm-hmm. or 14 companies in the U.S. that are really making it and, and in each one there you know it's not like every single person making a string necessarily knows um everything about how they're instru- they're constructed or why you know certain ratios are used and what you get from those um i think a, a lot of those people probably don't necessarily even play guitar um and, and our company most everyone does but that's not the case you know for for everybody um you know i, I remember when i went to the gibson plant in memphis and uh somebody asked the guy like how many people that work here play guitar uh, and he like sort of proudly was like, you know, about twenty percent of us do. 
and and that's normal. I mean, that's what happens when you run a manufacturing company. You know, just because you love playing guitar doesn't mean you're gonna you know love uh, manufacturing a product. You can be great at manufacturing a product without playing. But uh, for us, we have uh, everybody here but one right now plays guitar. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a, a good example of that is uh, I mean, Leo Fender famously. Uh, oh yeah. You can still make you can still make a good product and not not be the thing, but it is helpful. Uh, it is helpful to know, and that's actually another another interesting point that I was just thinking of. I was about to say in Nashville, it's going to be hard for <laughs> from the bulk of your workforce in any industry to not play guitar. Um, in that town, anyway. Um, that's a good point. But what I, and I mean, even what I, like the one girl that works for me that doesn't play guitar. Um, she was like, well, my boyfriend plays guitar, my roommate plays guitar, there's like 12 guitars laying around my house, you know, right now. <laughs> so it's yeah, so she's like still it, very you know, familiar. that foreign of a thing. She's just like, I just can't play it. <laughs> well, and, and I was going to say, uh, to bring up something else that's kind of interesting, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but Stringjoy is the actual first guitar manuf- or guitar string manufacturer in Nashville, right? Yeah, as far as I know. So, I mean, I there are two people you, like, if, if you're a, a student of guitar string history, which there are a few of, uh, there are two <laughs> things that you'd be like, but Scott, what about Showbud and what about Gibson? So Gibson used to make strings in Elgin, Illinois, back when they were, you know, Kalamazoo. They kept that plant rolling for a long time until like the mid to late 2000s um, before that one shuttered. Um, they, as far as I know, never made strings here. Um and then Showbud used to make strings. Um, Showbud, you know, made some of like the world's most famous pedal steel guitars. And mm-hmm. They were actually they they had like the loft space, I believe, of Robert's Western World in downtown Nashville. Um, oh, okay. Their, their like office. Um, I think it's still called like the Showbud Lounge. Um, and they might have had the building next door that's now Jack's Barbecue. Anyway, um, they had strings too, but I didn't, they did not make them, as far as I am aware. Um, so yeah, after all, you know, all these years of being Music City, um, nobody, to my knowledge anyway, has ever manufactured guitar strings in this town until now. Which is kind of insane. I mean, yeah, it's it's entirely possible that somebody did at some point, but I yeah, think we would probably know. You, you yeah, would certainly know, I would think. That's the thing. It's like I, I, I leave a little bit of ambiguity in case there's just, you know, somebody for some reason, got a hold of a, a string winder and had it out here for a little while. Um, you never know, but it, I am as confident as one can really be um, that it has never been done here before. Yeah, and that's that's kind of crazy. I mean, it, it's it's guitar. It's like the guitar capital of the world. And, yeah, you know, so just it, now. And it is in, a, <laughs> it's a cool place to make guitar strings, man. Um, in, in general, I mean... Like, we do tons of business, you know, all over the States and internationally as well. Uh, but we do a lot of business right here in Nashville, and it's always amazing to sell, you know, for somebody from here. So, well, our strings are made right here mm-hmm. in the city. And come, on, come and see. Come and see how it's done. How yeah, the sausage exactly. is made. <laughs> so we've uh, we've been talking for a bit here, and, uh, you know, so we, we've stayed very on topic on the topic of strings. Which is just unacceptable. To... It's very unacceptable <laughs> for a Tone Mob episode to be so focused. For anybody that made um, it all the way through all that string talk, now we can talk about not strings. <laughs> for 
for the, the we're closing, of you that are still here. That's right. We're we're closing <laughs> in on the last the last few minutes of here anyway, and I need to know, and now that we've ate pizza together multiple times actually, um I need I would like to know uh has your pizza cha- taste changed since since we first uh spoke all those years ago? Ooh, that's a good question. Um well like I, I have to say that I had um there's a few things that come to mind. One is I had something of a religious experience with you. Um, what was the name of that spot in Brooklyn we went to? Grimaldi's. Yeah. Jeez, that was good. Um, oh, that's probably that's got to be that's got to be really close to my number one, if not my very number one. That was amazing. It's probably my number one, man. That was so good. And so Blake and I, we were out for Fear the Rift in August in New York. And we went to uh, Grimaldi's with, with our ladies, respectively. Um, and then I was like, shortly after that, I was in Chicago and I had some some Chicago style. And it was super good, though not as good as the New York. Um, but uh, the, the, the end of, of all this story is that uh, by our new office on, on Elmville Pike in Nashville, um, there is a place called Joey's House of Pizza. And it is so good. Like, it, it is amazingly good. It's like, it's one of those things where like a Brooklyn family moved out here in the 80s. I have no idea why. And they have this pizza shop that's up on a hill right near us in like a very non-local restaurant part of town. You know, it's all manufacturing over here. They're only open from 11 to 3 every day. There's always a line out the door. If you don't know what you want, they'll yell at you. And it's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't get to try that while we were there. We fully intended on trying that while we I was in town. Past it. It. And I kept telling you, like, I've never been there. I heard it's really good. And, and we didn't. We had Five Points Pizza, and I love Five Points Pizza, too. Not five right. Points was great. Mm-hmm. But all that is to say, I guess, you know, in my, my, personal, my personal pizza journey and in my personal walk with pizza, uh, <laughs> I think it's been more of an education of the classics. Uh, you know, over these past few years than it has been, you know, adventuring out and exploring new things, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Grimaldi's was, Grimaldi's was definitely a top experience for me. Um, I, I I still think about it all the time. I'm thinking about it right now. Um, and while we, uh, you know, if we do happen to go back to Fear the Riff, um, something both of us, uh, I think, missed the boat on uh, a really highly rated slice shop was right across the street from Fear the Riff, and I did not know. Um, oh, Poly right? G's, yeah, Poly G's yeah, slice I shop. Saw I saw it on Google Maps. It, it, yeah, it's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be really good, and I follow him on well, Instagram, and it looks really good. So for next time, if we happen to get to get to go to that, we need to make sure maybe we next don't year, neglect. Man. Will you yeah. ask me about my board? <laughs> Uh, I'll ask you about your board in the Patreon section. How's that? Oh, perfect. That sounds great. All right. <laughs> oh, was that a, that was a, that was such a tease I just did. It was that so was, bad. wasn't it? The uh, answer is two, a DS1, folks. Don't don't get too excited. Nothing but, but just one, one DS1. Sometimes two DS1s. An unmodified DS1. I like to run stereo <laughs> DS1s with two different DS1s. That's that's my thing. I like it. One into a crate and one into a gorilla. Yeah, and one with a battery, and one with uh, one that's actually just hardwired straight into the the plug in the wall. Oh wow, this is intense. Yeah, this is very intense. That's why um, I so. Me. 
two you're, separate this, power supplies. You're educating me so well. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, before we go ahead and sign off with this section, where can everybody find you? What do they need to do? And if uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with? Yeah, so um, stringjoy.com is always the easiest way to check out our strings if you know, I've convinced you to do that. If you want to know even more about nerdy string stuff or to just go brag to the rest of the internet about all these things that you understand better than them because you listen to this, uh, our YouTube channel is a really great place for that. Um, it's youtube.com slash stringjoy or just search stringjoy and I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, talk about a lot of crazy nerdy stuff just like this. Um, over there, and then of course uh, my email continues to remain open to the public if anybody wants to holler uh, or has any questions about what uh, their strings should be or wants to tell me about their favorite pizza and that is just scott at stringjoy.com Perfect. Perfect. Alright, well that sounds good. So for Scott, this is Blake and as always folks, good luck and good tones. There you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Scott and I have been wanting to do that for quite some time. As as we said on the episode, we talk all the time and and primarily talking about how to improve product and, and operations and just different ways of doing things down there at the shop. And it's uh, I have a lot of respect for that guy and how he operates things and how he treats his customers and and the products that he's really committed to putting out. And um this is this has been long overdue, so I was really, really glad to do that, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. So this is episode 99. That means, you know, if you can do math at least as good as I can, which is at a pretty poor level, next week is episode 100. We, we've hit 100 episodes almost, guys, and this is amazing. I had no idea that this is what was going to happen. I had no clue when I started that we would be 100 episodes deep. That is a lot of hours of you listening to me blabber. And I appreciate it. I can't tell you how much I, I appreciate it. It is insane to me that this has happened. I, do, I don't take it lightly. So I hope all of you know how much I appreciate you turning turning in, tuning in. See, I can't even talk right. What am I doing? Um... I, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I think that's a, it's a really fantastic thing. So shoot me any comments or questions to info at tonemob.com. I don't know what's going to happen for episode 100. I had it planned out, and then something fell through. So we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Um, episode 100 will be a milestone regardless. So again, thank you so much for making that even possible. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to tonemob.com stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And 
by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.